you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Dante Hall, a.k.a. The X Factor, a.k.a. The Human Joystick, and this is the NFL Report. Yes, we are here at the NFL Report. We know who is going to be in the Super Bowl, James Palmer. It will be the Chiefs. It will be the 49ers, and we have a loaded show today. We have Omar Ruiz, who will be at the Niners facility. He was at the NFC Championship. Sherry Burris, who is with you in Baltimore for the AFC Championship, yep. she'll be here. Mark Ross talking some big picture stuff. But before we get to any of that, JP, you had the viral moment of the weekend. <laughs> Let's take a look at this video, and then you are going to tell us all the deets behind it. Yeah, Steve, th this was pregame here at M&T Bank Stadium. And listen, this is Travis Kelsey telling maybe the greatest kicker of all time, Justin Tucker, I don't want you to be warming up around my quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Now, some people say that this was playful. I was there to witness this, and I talked to a number of people afterwards that were involved. There was nothing playful about this. Travis Kelsey was lit, Steve. He was angry at Justin Tucker. Same with Patrick Mahomes. Him and Tucker actually had words. And this is what I was told by people that have played on other teams that have faced the Ravens this year. Tucker does this to get under the skin, warming up in the end zone of the opposing team, and then warming up in their way, in a sense, to play maybe a head game. I was told, I was told, Steve, they asked him to move and to just be a, you know what, Justin Tucker moved his ball over, quote, one inch to the left. That was it. And that set this team off even further. And I was told in the Chiefs postgame locker room, they poked the bear pregame. And we knew he had an advantage prior to the start of this game. It was, it was something to see. Who knew? Everyone thought this was some playful little stuff here. But Justin no. Tucker played the goon and poked the bear. JP, we're, we're going we're gonna to yep. talk about more about that later. We're going to get to the AFC Championship later. But let's get to this NFC Championship game that we saw in the evening game. And let's get to the bigger news segment of the 49ers victory. Was it really a rally for the 49ers, JP? Or was it a Lions epic collapse? I'm going to say it was a rally, and I'm saying this is the bigger news because we saw two things happen. One, Kyle Shanahan was able to get over the hump in terms of everybody bringing up these fourth quarter stats. He's now done it two weeks in a row. It was, what, 0-30 in his career going into the fourth quarter, down seven at least. He was 1-30 after last week. They go and do this this week, coming back and scoring 27 unanswered. The second part of it is that man right there, Brock Purdy, really just eliminating in an NFC championship game in his second NFL season, Steve, I am not a game manager. I remember going back to his rookie year, having a lengthy conversation with Kyle Juszczyk, who told me this is a better athlete than people think. This is a better competitor than people think. And you saw both of those things happen in this fourth quarter. Let's just say it. He, he, he won this game, Steve, with his legs. Yeah. Multiple times he saw his first read, maybe second read gone, and took off with the football. And Juszczyk told me he is faster and more athletic than people think. It's probably another one of those things to where people are just assuming. They're assuming he's the game manager until they play against him, Juszczyk told me. And then you realize he's a little more elusive, a little bit quicker, and his mind is so good, he plays angles. He knows where he's going. We saw him take his game to another level. 140 quarterback rating in the third quarter. He was electric in the second half, and I think that's your guy, Steve? Your yes, guy? Is. I feel so much better today about my guy, the real MVP. <laughs> the real MVP. Brock Purdy, let's recast the vote. The real MVP. Look, here's, here's why. I mean, as great as Brock Purdy was, and, and as many points as the Niners were able to rally from behind, they were down by 17, they came back to win. They did it 
JP, because of their defense. They denied the Lions in the second half until the waning moments and the way that they played. And look at some of this. In the first half, we saw Detroit rush for 148 yards. It finished with 182. They stopped the run game. They shut it down. Mm. Ahmad Ross St. Brown, who was carving them up in the first half, two, count them, two second-half catches. If it weren't the play of their defense, Tayshawn Gibson stripping the ball from Jameer Gibbs, who does yep. not fumble yep. deep in the Lions' territory, which set up the touchdown for CMC to tie this game. It was the defense, to me, that really rallied to get the Niners back and give the ball back to the real MVP, J.P. I love that, Steve. We have to, real quick, Let's. Let, I want your take on the Lions side of things before we move on to the oh. AFC Championship game. What Ooh. did you think about what transpired in the second half? Obviously, everybody's talking about the two fourth down that, that were not converted by Dan Campbell. Yeah, I mean, I, I was annoyed by the second one. I mean, you know, they played it safe to position themselves to remain in field goal position, right? Jared Goff on the third down, checked it down underneath. It was like fourth and four. Very manageable field goal distance. And that's where you have to get the points to try, or at least try to get the points to tie it, because your team is reeling. I mean, that stadium has all the energy in the Niners' way. If you level the playing field, you get it to 27-27, then all of a sudden your team, you can come to the sideline and say, okay, we're all at zeros. It is a new start. But, you know, here's the other thing. We can complain about the Dan Campbell not going for the field goal, but a couple players make some of the plays. Like you intercept the ball that Brock Purdy threw Steve. that bounced off the DB's hand. That Brandon Ayuk catches. We're going to talk to Omar Ruiz about this later. That you know that changes the game. There's a couple things the players could have done too. So as much as we're banging on Dan Campbell, and I am banging on him for not trying that field goal, make a couple plays, and you wouldn't you wouldn't be in that situation. You're exactly right, Steve. If Reynolds catches the first fourth down attempt, they're probably not going for it on that no. second one that you talked about being upset with. If they would have converted the first, and maybe we're looking at Dan Campbell completely different. On this day, we overanalyze everything. And then the second part is they went an NFL high 23 times for it on fourth down with two or three yards over the last two seasons heading into this game. They had a 70% completion or, or percentage, Conversion. essentially, to, to convert that. Well, between 45 and 50 yards at Levi Stadium over the last five seasons, it's about a 73% chance you're going to convert that kick. They don't have a lot of faith in their kicker. It's almost a wash and you stick with maybe what you've been doing over the last two seasons. No. I'm not upset no. with Dan Campbell, really, no. when I look at the analytics of it, Steve. No, I really got, am not. I'm telling you, this is a have dome a team scared of the scared of the uh, elements out there, maybe at Levi. I don't, I don't know. Let's get to the AFC title game. And I had a chance to catch up with the man who's just building a legacy that is unlike any other, Patrick Mahomes, after he won in his sixth attempt at the AFC Championship game. I was told by multiple people in your building you were a man possessed this week. What is it like going to win this game on the road this time? Yeah, no, it was it was unreal. I mean, that's a great football team. Every single aspect, and our guys stepped up to the challenge. Um, it's, been a, it's been a fun year. I mean, a lot of adversity we battled through, um, but we're not done yet. You know, we're going we're gonna to carry this momentum into the Super Bowl and try to go win that thing. You've been through a lot this year, but it was old Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes today. What worked so well between the two of you? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I knew he was going to show up. He always does. When the, when the lights get brighter, he, he plays better. Um, and so I'm going to trust him at all times. I'm going to throw it to him, one-on-one -on -one matchups, and he made plays happen. All right, go enjoy this, man. Appreciate you, brother. Good job talking to Patrick Mahomes, who's going to his fourth Super Bowl in the past five years. JP, that's insane. So bigger news, let's get here. The Kansas City Chiefs doing what they do and getting to the Super Bowl or the Baltimore Ravens blowing this opportunity being the top seed. Steve, it's the Kansas City Chiefs because what Patrick Mahomes is doing is he is joining rarefied air here. He is putting himself in the Tom Brady conversation as the greatest of all time, and he's 28 years old. Oh, I think that's why this is a bigger deal, because he is doing something we just have never seen before outside of Tom Brady. And what we saw was a season, as you heard him say there, it didn't go the way that they planned. And this is kind of, Steve, I'm making that comparison, because how many times did we hear during the regular season, this Patriots team just isn't it. This right. isn't it. And then once again, the postseason hits, and there goes Brady, there goes Gronk, there goes that group. And now once again, 
Here goes Patrick Mahomes. Here goes Travis Kelsey. I had a chance to stand there right next to Jason and Travis Kelsey as they embraced. And Travis got emotional, Steve, on the field. As Jason told him, I know how hard this year was for you. I know how much of a battle it was for you. Because if you ask anyone in the NFL, Travis Kelsey has lost a step at 34. He is not getting open as frequently as he does. In the past, he is a surefire Hall of Famer. But what have we seen these last three games? It has been Travis Kelsey of old. He has dug deep the competitive nature of both of those guys to will this team into a Super Bowl is the bigger news. Yeah, look, and look, let's give some credit to that defense. I mean, they held the Ravens at 10 points. Stone Cold oh. Jones and George Karlaftis were insane. And LeJarius Sneed remains the best player uh, that we continue not to talk about. But the what bigger, a play. The bigger, bigger news is the Baltimore Ravens taking the LJP. I'm giving all due respect to the Chiefs. Oof. I mean, they all due respect. But this was a number one seed. This was a team that was kicking the holy hell out of every team they played. They were winning by everyone. 18 points a game since December, and they got the yips. There's no other way to put it. Mm. Lamar Jackson did not play The yips. Great. The yips. In the big moment, they did not make the plays. Lamar Jackson, we talked about Brock Purdy pulling it down and running with it. There were so many opportunities for Lamar to do that in the second half of that game when the Chiefs were dropping seven or eight, only rushing three or four. Run the ball. Be Lamar. Yep. But instead, he was like, okay, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to play quarterback. I'm going to, hey, man, sometimes this is it. I mean, this is one and done. You have to play. You had the bad interception in the end zone. And the Zay Flowers play. Mm. This is one where as much as people are putting on Zay Flowers, Legereus Sneed made the play of the weekend. If you watch the replay of this, he comes from eight yards away off of a block to get there and punch that ball out in the end zone. Those are some game-changing plays right there. But the fact that the Baltimore Ravens, and we're going to talk to Mark Ross about this later, dominated the way that they did, changed the offense to be more efficient, and it was, and they still didn't get over the hump. Now, it's a huge hump. The Kansas City Chiefs, who showed to be the man, yep. you got to beat the man, and you couldn't beat the man. We're left with the Ravens not being the man, and the rest of the AFC looks like it's going to be getting better. So a blown opportunity, JP. Hey, JP, you know what? We're going to talk a little bit more hmm. about the real MVP. Coming up shortly, Omar Ruiz, he is still in Santa Clara. As Let's go, Brock Big O. He isn't relevant anymore. Omar is next after the break on the NFL Report to chat up the NFC champs. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Play after play after play in the second half. You delivered with your arm, you delivered with your legs. How would you describe what happened there in the comeback? Man, down 17 and a half, uh, you know, our whole team was just, we got to find a way. You know, our season's on the line. Obviously, the first half performance was tough, and so we were like, you know what, back's against the wall. Let's just go. Let's try to get some momentum rolling, get some points up on the board. So we were able to find a way. That's our own Omar Ruiz with Brock Purdy, Steve's MVP of the season. And now Omar joins us still in Santa Clara. He's declaring residency there in that area. He's been with the Niners for so long. Oh, thanks for joining us. And we have to start with the man, Steve's guy right there, Brock Purdy, right out of the jump, outside of what we just saw there. What did we hear from his teammates, his head coach, about what he did in the second half and maybe a stigma that was just eliminated possibly <laughs> as he heads to the Super Bowl. Well, I think it matched the conviction that they have spoken with about Brock Purdy all year long, that he is a playmaker, that he is a game changer, that he can ad-lib plays and make the off-scripted plays. And he did it on the biggest stage that he has ever been on in this NFC Championship game. He did it when they were down 24-7 to and helped lead this 49er comeback. Now, the, the 49ers teammates in the locker room about Brock Purdy, they've been tired of having that conversation for weeks now about Brock Purdy. But I think they had expressed Trent Williams earlier in the week, Jawan Jennings to me after the game, how proud they were 
of Brock Purdy because he puts his head down, he works, they expected him to deliver in this way after that subpar performance against the Packers, and he did that. So it validated all the positivity, all the belief that they've had in him for him to deliver, again, with his legs, those two 21-yard runs and the game-changing 51-yard deflection to Brandon Ayuk. Sometimes you have to get good bounces. Sometimes you create your own good fortune. The 49ers did that. Brock Pur- Purdy certainly did that in the second half there, leading that comeback. Yeah, Omar, I mean, there's a lot of talk, you know, about some quarterbacks. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, and I'm not comparing Purdy to Ben Roethlisberger, but who may not play well in a half, and they come back and they deliver when they have to. And that's what Brock Purdy has done two straight weeks. Okay, you just talked about that deflected pass that Purdy threw up and that Brandon Ayuk caught at about the three-yard line on the tip. They eventually go in the score to pull within seven. That was the play of the game offensively for them, Omar. What was the discussion in the Niners' locker room about that play and how important that was in getting them this dub? It was all about the momentum that they took from that. And uh, several players talked about the momentum, not just from that play, but then the next possession for the Lions, the fumble that they recovered that would help set up the game-tying score. But it was that IU play that was just so remarkable. And, you know, you talk about the bounces that the 49ers were not getting in the first half. Well, that started to turn the tide with that IU play. What else turned the tide? How about that defense coming with the physicality, the aggressiveness, and talking to Steve Wilkes after the game, I asked him, what changed for your group? And he said it was nothing miraculous. He said they played a little bit more man there in the second half, but that defensive line started to play up front to their reputation, and that allowed the linebackers like Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw to get downhill and really attack that run and, and stop them in a way that they couldn't in the first half. And, and I even asked Fred Warner because they knew coming into this game, and there was a discussion that we had last week, it was a very subtle thing in hearing the 49ers players speak about the Detroit Lions. They were saying that they were going to have to match the physicality and aggressiveness of those Lions. So they had the respect, they had the attention, uh, of the Lions did, of the 49ers. But you had always heard the 49ers say, okay, teams are going to have to come in here and match our physicality. So it was just a subtle little thing that I heard. So they knew that Detroit was going to come in here and and try to play smash mouth, and they did. So getting back to the conversation with Fred Warner, he said, I don't know why it took for the second half to deliver. They said there was no rah-rah discussions in the locker room at halftime, but Chase Young told me that they were just shouting out, okay, what do we need to fix? And some of the things that came up where you got to run to the football, when the play comes to you, you got to make it. Everybody has to finish at the football, and so that style of aggressiveness, the physicality that they had been known for, finally started to show up, and that helped turn the tide as well. Yeah, you're, 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 you're talking about it, Omar, with that defensive line. Let's just talk about where those guys were drafted, what some of them had been paid over the last couple of years, and we've been kind of wondering if they were going to play up to those type of reputations, as you mentioned it. Let's go to the physicality aspect of it that you brought up, because what I thought really stood out to me, guys, in this game is that even when the run game wasn't working and you were seeing Christian McCaffrey fighting for two three yards at times, that Kyle Shanahan Omar stuck with the run and that he still tried to remain as balanced as he could while they were down in the second half. Steve's very happy about it, apparently, that they were able to make sure they didn't abandon the run because there still were the opportunities, and you saw it, where then they'd pop one once in a while. And, And the persistence of that in the second half. What did you hear in the locker room about them being able to try to still remain balanced in the second half and the importance of that, especially as you're heading in to the Super Bowl? Well, that's the hallmark of the Kyle Shanahan offense, the persistence to stay on the ground and, and how that opens everything up in the offense and the, and the, and the misdirection uh, and, and the motion and all of that uh, because of the success that they have on the ground game and sticking to it. But I think you know, when they're down 17 points at the half, you start to think, okay, they're going to open it up and they're going to you know, try to get in a shootout here. But that wasn't the case. And I think that speaks to the bigger picture about how this 49ers team just didn't panic. Like, again, there were no rah-rah speeches uh, in the locker room. It was just a a committed decision to play more physically and to stick to who they are, to what they are, and to what got them here, and to not abandon the run, and to play that physical style of football and and follow Christian McCaffrey and Trent Williams and Debo Samuel and the rest in that second half. So it was just a commitment, a reaffirmation of who they are, of what they've built here, and they delivered when they needed it most. And, And I think that's where... 
maybe the experience showed up of being in their fourth NFC championship game in five years to have that conviction to still play their style of football and not to abandon what got them here. And, and I think it speaks to what they've said all year long in that they felt that they needed um, you know, that number one seed. They wanted to play the NFC championship game at home. They felt that last year in Philadelphia, had they had Brock Purdy, uh, they, you know, the outcome might have been different. And, and that's what we saw. Brock Purdy was the difference maker there in the second half. That Levi Stadium crowd was rocking to help rally that team in the second half. And, and here we are again, another Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl four years later. Quickly, Omar, were, were there people in the Niners locker room trying to get Dan Campbell's address to uh, mail him a Christmas card for <laughs> not kicking the field goal and going forward on fourth down as many times as he did? He's not happy well, If you about guys it. remember, last, yeah, last week against Green Bay, Green Bay went for it on fourth and one, and the 49ers defense came up with a stop. But then it was up to the 49er defense, then offense, to go 86 yards the other way and capitalize on that momentum and to play complementary football. And they scored a touchdown in Green Bay, and that kind of helped turn the tide from that early momentum the Packers had delivered. And it was the same thing here on the fourth and two stop. It's not that just that they stopped the Lions offense in a in a absolutely time of uh, game that they needed it, but it was the fact that then they went 70-plus yep. the other way to score the touchdown, to capitalize on the momentum and really shift the dynamics of the game. Yeah, Omar, the, the second one, Steve Wilkes, Jared Goff thinks they're in man and then changes it up when he starts yep. rolling out and they drop it into a yeah. zone and there yeah. was just no place to go with the football. You know, it was it was just a brilliant call and a late, a, a late adjustment, right, by a lot of those guys yeah, as part execution. of his unit with the San Francisco 49ers. A great, great wrinkle there at a key, key moment. Omar, you saw a brilliant one. Finally get home to that family. You know, leave Santa Clara at some <laughs> job, point o. today, please, okay? <laughs> Good to see you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, can't wait to get home, rest up. I'll see you guys in Vegas. Sounds good, buddy. Appreciate it. You know who's going to be in Vegas? The Kansas City Chiefs. You know who won't be? The Baltimore Ravens. This was a chippy one. Back and forth between these two teams. Crowd didn't like that call. I don't know why, which was completely insane. Sherry Burris joins us next to talk about what's next for the loser of the AFC Championship game, the Baltimore Ravens. More on the NFL Report. You're listening to the NFL Report podcast, but you can watch me, Steve Weich, and my co-host James Palmer on the NFL Report at 7.15 Eastern Time on Mondays and Thursdays on the NFL app and free streaming platforms on the NFL channel on Roku, Tubi, Peacock, Pluto TV, and other free streaming apps. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome back to the NFL Report. The Kansas City Chiefs heading to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five seasons. This time in the AFC Championship game, they do it on the road against the team that many around the country believe was the best team in the NFL. And they slowed down the perennial potentially MVP Lamar Jackson. And that was done by safety Justin Reed. Here he is with Sherry Burris. It's never easy. It took a team effort. We fought hard, tooth and nail. Nobody gave us a chance. Four and a half point underdogs. But we got all we need in our locker room. And we believe in each other. We believe in the coaches. The coaches believe in us. And we go out there and execute the way that we execute today. We're going to be a hard team to beat. So we're excited about the opportunity. Just what is the limit for you guys as you do have one more game left this season? I think we can keep stacking it. We know what the prize is. We know what the ultimate goal is. And we're going to go chase it. With every everything in our soul, we all want it so bad. We're going to go back to back. Now, he made up these shirts, Justin Reed. In Spags, we trust. I'll tell you one thing, Steve. Spags did not like the shirts. He found them rather embarrassing. But if you know Steve Spagnuolo, that's par for the course. But his players and his defense absolutely think the world of their defensive coordinator. And he had another brilliant game plan once again in the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they shut down that Ravens offense. And speaking of the Ravens, they're bringing in our own Sherry Burr. Sherry, great job with that interview. Great job all week. And you have been with the Ravens for much of this season. 
They were the most dominant team in the NFL, but Lamar Jackson did not change the narrative. He is not going to the Super Bowl. What is being said about his inability, if you will, to elevate his team the way that Patrick Mahomes did? Uh, pre-game yesterday, and he was saying that you can build a legacy. There will be a legacy-making play in this game, and he said never count out Patrick Mahomes, but at the same rate, never count out Lamar Jackson. But his point was if Lamar Jackson could go in there and beat Patrick Mahomes, beat this Kansas City defense, this Kansas City dynasty, even at that, that would take Lamar to the next level. But again, we saw them fall short. And James, we were sitting there next to each other in the press box, just kind of scratching our heads at what this Ravens offense was was doing. Like It didn't seem like they were really clicking on all cylinders like we were used to seeing. My notes, I literally wrote halftime observation, looking like expected but offense not finding their rhythm. And even after the game, Lamar said, you know, they're frustrated. But this was, I think, an important step in the fact that they do obviously have plans and aspirations to make to a Super Bowl. They still need that experience to kind of get over that hump. Um, Zay Flowers, you know, a big key of this also. He was such a big piece offensively. And I know there's a na- you know a knock on him for that play at the goal line, also that taunting penalty. But like a man as a rookie, he stood up in front of the media in that locker room addressing us, which in a moment I'd have to assume is the hardest moment in his football career. And he just talked about the brotherhood in this locker room, not just for himself, but everyone being able to keep themselves, I think, optimistic and positive despite falling so short of getting to such a big game and and their goals of making it back to the Super Bowl. Jerry, we're seeing the play right here of Legereus Sneed, one of the best corners in all of football, punching that football out prior to the goal line from Zay Flowers. And you mentioned the taunting call. Joe Burrow, by the way, says, let him taunt. I want to see everybody taunt everybody, which was great by Joe Cool out there on the Twitter world. But that play in particular, what did John Harbaugh and company have to say about it? Because this is a rookie that has played at a remarkable level, but that's that's the type of play at a goal line that is preached repeatedly throughout a season, what was said about that game-changing play from the other side of things because we've heard it from the Chiefs' side? Yeah, so head coach John Harbaugh said, we teach them for at the goal line, two hands on the ball if you're going to reach. If we see that play again, that's exactly what Zay did. Two hands on the ball. We see it right here. I think he... I'm not mad at Zay for trying. I think it'd be more upsetting if he didn't try to go for the goal line personally. Um, I guess hindsight is 20-20, but that is exactly as head coach John Harbaugh said, they teach that play. I just think this is kind of one of those games where the ball sometimes just doesn't roll your way or, you know what, hey, the defense, they get paid just like the offense to go out there and make plays. That's exactly what we saw happen. Sure, you know, again, we talk about how dominant the Ravens have been. Like, how much was a blown opportunity? How much of a blown opportunity was this? Because mm. the saying is, when the window's open, you got to run through it, and they didn't. Yeah, so I don't know if this is just the emotional side and, like, the human side of it, but being in that locker room after the game, there is nothing more disheartening seeing those men in there hugging each other, knowing that this – probably was the last time they will ever have this team together. So you do feel for them and the fact that they wanted to win the Super Bowl now because of the pieces they had now. They have so many free agents. We don't even know if defensive coordinator Mike McDonald is still going to be there. Offensive coordinator Todd Bunkin, even now this is his first season as OC, they're both getting head coach interviews. So they wanted to win now for the urgency. So Steve, to your point, I mean, that was a driving factor. And, you know, we don't know if you ever get back to this point again. They hadn't been to the Super Bowl in 12 years. They haven't had an AFC championship game in Baltimore in 53 years. So, you know, I think they understand that there was a sense of urgency to get it done now. Um, But like I said, I think there is some optimism looking at the young pieces that they do have, like we talked about as a flowers. Um, We're talking about Kyle Hamilton, Roquan Smith. They have a lot of young, really strong pieces um, Lamar signing his contract this spring. They they feel like they are building towards their ultimate goal, even though they still fell short just yesterday. 
this year. There are some key free agents. Packard Queen, who plays there right next to Roquan Smith, uh, Smith uh, Justin Matabique. Like, a yeah. lot of guys mm-hmm. uh, on that group. Geno Stone, who played a big role in the secondary, filling in uh, at times and had a monster season, honestly. Uh, a variety of guys. Jadavion Clowney, some of the Kyle Van Noy, the older guys that they brought in to fill certain pieces and make this team Odell what they were. Was a one-year we deal. know how good right? this or- – Yeah, no, Odell's, Odell. yeah. Odell's yeah. as well is going to be yeah. a free agent. OBJ – uh, so real quickly, what what do you see them doing moving forward? Because we know this is a team that is very good in the draft, usually year in and year out. Where do you see talking to people in Baltimore is maybe a spot they need to take a step up? Is it still receiver even after they maybe took Zay this past year and had success with the rookie? Yeah, I think so. But I also I think yes. So to answer your question, wide receiver, yes. Consider we talked about some of those free agent moves. Some of those guys are more on the veteran side. They could maybe use some of that firepower, bring in a different kind of juice. But also I think it's interesting, James, I don't know if we talked about this during the game yesterday, but it seemed like they completely abandoned the run. Now, I'm yes. not going to question Todd Munkin because he gets mm-hmm. paid way more than I do and knows way more about this game than I do. But I found it so interesting that the number one rush offense really didn't run the ball so I'm wondering if maybe they need to add some more juice to that position obviously Gus Edwards um, is their workhorse Uh, Justice Hill has done a really good job in that spot but you know once they lost J.K. Dobbins which you know how can we forget that he was a key piece that he tore his you know Achilles earlier this season they kind of filtered in Melvin Gordon there they brought in Delvin Cook so I'm wondering if maybe that is the position group besides wide receiver that they could try to maybe bring some oomph to this offense and get Lamar a little bit more help too. Yeah, I think after watching what happened yesterday and a couple times this year too, especially with injuries, they have to address their offensive line as well because the Kansas City Chiefs it's owned it's an older both group. lines of scrimmage yesterday. That was the key to this game. The Ravens had not been handled up front like they were handled by the Chiefs. That offensive line, and again, with some of the injuries and the age, as you mentioned, JP, that's where we could see some change mm-hmm. as well. Sherry, great job. Well done. We will see you in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. Coming up next... Then. Bill Belichick, it doesn't look like he's going to get a job this year. What? Maybe not next year. Is he done? Our Mark Ross is going to talk about Belichick and a whole lot more beyond these conference championship games. We come back on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. We are back at the NFL Report. And look at this. Patrick Mahomes, six years as a starter. Four trips to the Super Bowl. I think you can say that's um, great. I think Anthony Chiefs, they found their <laughs> franchise quarterback. And you know what? We found our franchise knowledge guy right here in this segment. We have Mark Ross joining us, James Palmer. And, Mark, we talked about it. This right here is going to be a tomahawk steak segment because we have a lot of food <laughs> on this platter. But first off, before we get going, just, just your thoughts on this Super Bowl matchup. Well, this is going to be fascinating and so much fun. Of course, the rematch of a few years ago and with Mahomes back. Hey, look, how was the greatest quarterback of all time? An underdog yesterday and going into it and despite all odds, just give me anybody to play with just like Brady used to. And I'll find a way to get there. Of course, Andy Reid's importance and my man, Steve Spagnola, the D coordinator, doing it once again. I'm sure we'll talk about him a little bit later. And then on the other side, the 49ers, we know the ups and downs that they've had and the doubt in the middle of the season. Brock Purdy, can he do it or can he not do it? Stepping up with huge plays yesterday, showing that, yeah, I'm a playmaker too. I got this. So it's going to be a lot of fun uh, once again to to match wits. Great coaching, great talent, great players, a lot of storylines. Of course, we're not even talking about Taylor and that situation. So it's going to be a lot of fun, guys. Yeah, I've had two jobs this postseason, Mark. It's been uh, covering the of the NFL 
following the Chiefs a lot, and two, like, can I get a shot of Taylor Swift for everybody that needs one uh, via social media? I've been pretty successful, I'm not going to lie, for a few of these games. We will get, as Mark teased, to these two teams more in depth, Chiefs and Niners. But let's talk about whose seasons just came to a close on Sunday first, Mark, and how they move on moving forward. We know Ben Johnson is a hot, hot name. And obviously the connection to, to D.C. and the Commanders is one that we're all kind of following. If he does depart Detroit, how does a team, and we just saw this with Philadelphia and the massive step that they took back after losing both of their coordinators, what do you have to, I guess, what boxes do you have to check if you lose a coordinator that's as important as Ben Johnson is to the Lions to make sure that doesn't happen to your organization? What do the Lions need to do to make sure they keep moving forward if they lose Ben Johnson? Yeah, look, everyone assumes, look, you just keep it rolling. But as soon as your team is done their season, it's a different team. And you mentioned the Eagles, but any team, even when you win the Super Bowl, you know, it's a different team that next year. And for the Lions, for Ben Johnson, I mean, is this guy the best coordinator in the league? So to say, well, let's just find another guy. We've got this young talent. Keep it rolling. That's exactly. not easy. You know, no. that's hard. And I'll liken it to when we had Steve Spagnuolo, since we're going to talk about him with the Giants, and we won the Super Bowl in 07, masterful job by Spags. We were able to keep him another <laughs> year, and then he left to become the Rams you know, head coach there. And it's like, well, let's just fill in another guy. Well, no, there's only one Steve Spagnuolo. The importance of a great coordinator cannot be undersold and underestimated. So the Lions, someone's number one, find a capable coordinator. Of course, they won't be Ben Johnson because he's one of a kind. But all, okay, all this young talent that we have, they have to take a step. They have to get better. Uh, you know, Brad Holmes, the GM. We got to get more talent in here to help overcome that as well. Jared Goff, is he going to be better next year? And then, Dan Campbell, the head coach, he's got to get better as well. So it's everyone really has to step up and overcome and get better in the absence of Ben Johnson because what he did there is special and deservedly so. He's going to get a head job somewhere else because of how special he was. But it's going to take an entire organizational effort to get back to where they were or better or they may not be as good or prolific next year as they were this year. I'm so glad you said that, Mark, because you talk to defensive coaches in this league and they will tell you Ben Johnson is different. He is different with what he does. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about another coordinator, and, and that's uh, McDaniel. They're, they're at, at Baltimore. He could be gone. But I, I, McDonald, I'm sorry. McDonald. But I, I want to get more. I want more about this with the Ravens. They changed their offense. They played at such a high level, and they still didn't break through, Mark. I mean, what do they need to do moving forward to get over the hump? Yeah, right. To, to be the man, you got to beat the man. Yep. And I think everyone in Baltimore knew that. And then they just couldn't do it. Just like last week we were talking about Josh Allen and the Bills. They couldn't do it. The Ravens had everything going for them, crushing teams with, with playoff teams all season long. Last week, okay, let's just you know, crush the young up-and-coming Texans. We're ready. We're at home. Lamar's flying high. And, of course, there's a lot of reasons why they lost that game yesterday. And moving forward, you know, I think a lot of the things that went right for them during the year didn't come through. We, let's just talk about, we, we talked about Lamar's receiving core all year. Well, yesterday they didn't step up. The young rookie, Zay Flowers, who've been so dynamic, makes some dynamic plays, and then he had some, you know, ill-advised things that he did yesterday. Odell didn't step up. Where was Bateman? Likely didn't make any big plays. Mark Andrews will give him a little pass coming off the injury, uh, you know, Nelson Aguilar drops another pass, as usual. So I think all of the, that infrastructure for Lamar let him down. And he didn't play well. No. That's the number one thing. He's got to get better. As He's going to win the MVP this year. He was amazing. He was outstanding. But here we are again talking about can Lamar get it done in the playoffs. And that's the number one thing, fellas, that has to get done. Lamar's got to play better. I'm sure he'll watch the tape and he'll admittedly say, yeah, I got to do it too. And I'm sure he's peed off right now about how he played. That's the number one thing for me until Lamar does it we're going to keep talking about Lamar can't do it and he's just really got to go out there and do it yep I love that you put it that way Mark because being on the sideline pregame and talking to coaches on, on both sides between the Ravens and the Chiefs that was one of the most talked about topics before that game kicked off with both sides it was the Chiefs saying 
We're hoping Lamar tries to do too much. He turns the ball over maybe a couple of times. We're banking on we've been there a bunch with our quarterback. Lamar hasn't done it yet. That was also the Ravens' concern that Lamar might try to do too much early, might try to do too much and end up making a mistake or two. And that's the hump you have to get over in the postseason. The Chiefs have been there year in and year out. And I think that's why you see sometimes fewer mistakes by teams that get there repeatedly. And that brings me to Steve Spagnuolo and his defense, their ability to go out there and create turnovers, which is something actually they didn't do really much during the regular season, (laughs) even though they're a brilliant defense. But they created some turnovers, and they played discipline against a dynamic quarterback. And it's a lot because of their defensive coordinator you you brought up in Steve Spagnuolo. You were with him not only in New York, but also in Philadelphia. How has he grown as a defensive coordinator in what you see him do now compared to your time with him in the past? I mean, Spags is just incredible. You, you talk about the mistakes and teams that they stepped up to the moment. The Chiefs stepped up to the moment when they needed to. The 49ers stepped up to the moment when they needed to. The Ravens did not. Mistake after mistake. The Lions did not. Mistake after mistake. And that's the difference between championship teams. In our two Super Bowl runs, we stepped up to the moment when we needed to. Was it pretty all the time? No. Did you get some lucky bounces here and there? Yes. But you have to step up to the moment. And with Spags, yes, way back in the day, back in 99, 2000, Andy Reid's first staff, he was our <laughs> linebacker coach. We had Leslie Fraser, Ron Rivera. We had all kinds of guys there. But then in New York, of course, the mastermind of the, of the defense there. And Spags just really, number one, his connection to players and staff is incredible. I mean, just the personality that he has, the belief that those guys have in him, the way he can connect besides the X's and O's, that goes a long way with players. When a player steps in a room or on the side, like he's going to call up the right stuff for us and we believe in this guy and he believes in us, we're going to get it done. He always kind of just had that special gravitas about him and still does. You can kind of see it with him and then just dialing it up. You're talking about stepping up to the moment. He just dials up the right stuff mm-hmm. in the right moment. And all D coordinators, we're talking about Ben Johnson, the offensive side, aren't made the same. All coordinators aren't the same. You get in pressure pack situations. Are you going to panic? Or are you going to come through and, and do the right things just like players do? Coordinators, the same things. And Spags just really has just an innate feel for dialing up the right stuff at the right time yeah. and knowing how to put his players in position to make plays at the right time. He did it with us in New York. He's done it now with KC. And it's really just, I mean, can we have a Hall of Fame for a coordinator? You know, and it's, <laughs> and I mean, it's just, just incredible the runs he gets on and the way he's just able to take mm-hmm. his game to another level in these pressure pack situations. Super quick, Mark, because I want to get to Belichick, but how come Spags doesn't even get head coaching interviews, man? Oh, hey, man, you know how it is. I, I, you I, I, know I how it is, Steve. It's just on to the next, the new, the, the, the hot, the, the, the young up-and-coming uh, uh, coordinators. That's kind of what the trend is out of the NFL. And, uh, of course, what he's done, he should get another shot at it. He's been a head coach. He's learned from that. That was a big thing when he came back to New York with us where he said he learned so much more when he was a head coach. Of course, it didn't end the way he wanted to with the Rams, but he came out of that a better coach for that experience, and you see that uh, right now. But, yeah, he definitely deserves it. But you know how the nature of the NFL is in the hiring cycle. It's, here, let's let's just go up, go this route here with young offensive mind. Uh, and so, you know, he does earn it. He does deserve it, though. Yeah, he does, and I know he wants another crack. We'll see if he gets another one, but I know he's happy doing what he's doing and the success they're having in Kansas City. How about Bill Belichick? It looks right now like we're going to have a year without Bill Belichick in 2024. So, Mark, is this the end for Bill Belichick, or is this just a one-year vacancy? You know, guys, I think this is probably it. If this wasn't, he didn't get it now. There's no need, no reason to think next year, another year removed from the game. Mm. I think a lot of the negativity or the reasons why is like, okay, the, he's not the young up and comer. And the way he does, conducts business and runs his organization, runs his program, a lot of owners just aren't looking for that style anymore. And despite, of mm. course, the rings and the accolades, it's okay. They're talking about. He doesn't have Tom Brady anymore. He didn't do it without Tom Brady, and, and they're talking about that as well. So I think right now would have been the really only one team. It's And it wasn't even a lot of teams brought him in to interview. It was like they didn't even bother with him. No. So what? the outside looking in, it was we don't even want to deal with this. And then also 
Well, if you're hiring Bill Belichick, is he bringing in all his guys and whoever hires him, you're getting rid of him in the building? Correct. I don't want to bring that guy in as coming yeah. in and bring everybody to take my job. So a lot of that yeah. got taken into account when they talked to Belichick. So you can never take away what the man has done, but that was in and moving forward. Teams are looking for that ag- aggressive, forward-looking uh, program and not the old-school approach. Yeah, two of the greatest who ever did it didn't get uh, additional opportunities. I'm talking about Don Shula and Tom Landry. So, you know, that, that's part of it. Real quick, because you only have about a minute and a half left, it's not just Belichick. Mike Vrabel, who we all know is a damn good coach, can he's be not on the 72. sidelines as well. He, he is not 72. <laughs> he can be on the sidelines as well. I mean, he, there's a look. There's a lot of good coaches who aren't getting in there, but Mike Vrabel's track record kind of speaks for itself. How surprising is it that teams weren't as sweet on him as we thought maybe they should be? Yeah, I thought they would be, as you mentioned, you know, younger guy and you, what he overcame, overachieved a lot for most of the time there with it. And if you were looking for, okay, well, we want an established coach who's shown the way to win. Let's let's get him in here. But again, it's all about trying to find your own and not trying to rely on well recycled guys. And you know, for hit for Vrabel, teams were kind of looking at well. We need the offense again. That that trend of the offensive, young offensive coaches are still sort of playing out, and especially with those teams who either are about to draft a QB or you know picking up high. There's a couple of those vacancies there still. Washington, here you are, and uh, or trying to develop a young guy that you have, and unfortunately that that he just didn't fit into that box. But obviously he has been a successful head coach. But look, ownership goes a certain route. And that's just been a copycat trend with the NFL hiring cycle. Mark Ross not leaving anything on the bone of that tomahawk steak segment. Right. Well done, my what man. Size I, we got with it. We got the sides cut. We just ate the steak. Now where's the mashed potatoes? Save it for Thursday. I'll take a fully loaded baked potato, please, Steve. Yeah, save, save a little right. one for Thursday. You know, we may, maybe maybe gotta bring you back then. If not, come back next week. You guys, we got the senior bowl coming up and a couple of these all-star games as well. All right, great stuff, Mark Ross. Well, you heard that Mike Vrabel wasn't the up-and-coming offensive guy. Well, neither is this guy. He's an up-and-coming defensive guy. Raheem Morris gets the job He's an everywhere guy. Atlanta. Steve. He's that dude. We're going to talk about him and more on the NFL Report, and it's also a podcast. Hey, it's James Palmer, and you're listening to the NFL Report podcast along with myself and Steve Weish. But remember, if you want to see our beautiful faces, this is a show at 7.15 Monday and Thursday, that's 7.15 p.m. Eastern, and we are on the NFL app, as well as fast streaming platforms. That's Tubi, that's Roku, that's Pluto, that's Peacock, all of those platforms, as well as the NFL.com slash NFL channel. Find us all of those spots. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome back to the NFL Report. As we close things out, James Palmer, Steve Weich with you. We have two, Steve, openings left in the NFL, and they should be filled rather quickly. They could be filled while we're talking about this right now, but we don't think on a Monday it's getting filled. But the Washington Commanders and the Seattle Seahawks. Let's start with Washington. What's your take on what we're going to be seeing in Washington now that Adam Peters is in place? And it's essentially, from my understanding, kind of his call. Yeah, you know, Adam Peters, you know, is there. We've got Bob Myers also coming in. There's been talk for weeks that Ben Johnson, the the, the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, who is now available to interview in person, is the favorite there. And he will be interviewing with the commanders. But look, this is a team that needs a quarterback, but everyone has seen what he's done Mm -hmm. the past two years in Detroit. He is a leader. You hear everyone speak highly of him. Defensive coordinators talk about how much of a nightmare it is playing against him. But is he the guy to start with a team that needs a new quarterback? Because we know Washington has talent there, but this is a franchise in transition, so maybe he's the guy. But we'll also see uh, Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator for the Ravens, someone who's nearby, someone who a lot of the folks at this organization have seen up close and center. He's in the mix as well. But, JP, it looks like those two in Washington, and as you said, both of them are available to interview in person by virtue of losing in their conference championship games. 
And I like that you brought up Mike McDonald because that's an organization that the commanders have spent a lot of time looking at in terms of how we want to build this new look in terms of culture, in terms of how we draft, in terms of how we go through the entire process. So obviously talking to Mike is a big part of this, but also what they want to establish. You mentioned the quarterback spot. Remember, they pick second overall in this draft coming up, and that's a big, big probably talking point with anybody they interview in terms of what's your plan at the quarterback spot. A completely different situation all the way across the country, Steve, in Seattle. What's your make of of, of what's going on there? Because as I mentioned, that is a completely different setup and, and circumstance compared to Washington. Yeah, Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll has moved upstairs. We don't know if it's, again, an advisor role, much like Bruce Arians has in Tampa, or much more heavy-handed, like we saw Tom Coughlin do when he went to Jacksonville. But it looks like it's between Dan Quinn and Mike McDonald. It looks like they're going to go with a defensive guy again. That's the nature of the leadership of this organization, which didn't change. So we'll see probably by the end of the week if it's Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator, going back to where he made a lot of uh, good memories as a D.C. in Seattle, or McDonald. Mm-hmm. But JP, I also want to get to what, what's happened in Atlanta. Raheem Morris gets the job yes. there. And early on, and I am told from this from some very close people, it was Bill Belichick's job. Arthur Blank wanted him. Uh, other people in the building really liked him. But then the more they got through this process and interviewed candidates, Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator for the Rams, who had coached there before as a wide receivers mm-hmm. coach and as a secondary coach, and who had remained and retained great relationships in that building, he gets the job. Like, what are your thoughts about this? Because a lot of people are like, oh, he's already had a head coaching job. Why are we going with a defensive coach when we have a good defense and we need a quarterback? I, I love this, Steve. I Actually, I love this. We've talked culture at the start of this segment and what you want to build throughout your entire organization. I think Raheem builds that. And his ability that he's coached on both sides of the ball, I think him makes him a unique candidate. And also everything he learned, and from my understanding how open he was, with the staffs that he was a part of in between these head coaching opportunities about what he learned the first time around and what he would do differently, I think really held a lot of water for a lot of people in Atlanta. I'm fascinated that nobody wants to rent Bill Belichick for a couple of years. I know he won't be your coach for 10 years, but the Tampa Bay Bucks rented Tom Brady and they got a Super Bowl out of it. Nobody really wants to do that, I guess, with Bill Belichick. Quickly, Philadelphia, two new coordinators, Vic Fangio, and Kellen Moore, what's your thoughts real quick? Yeah, look, Vic Fangio, it was not working in Miami. You heard people talking about the relationship. It just wasn't really great with a lot of people. So him going to Philadelphia, he can fix that team. There's talent, but they've got to add significant depth, especially at the position he thrives on, and that's at the safety spots. They've got to add some talent right there. And then Kellen Moore going to the offense, very intrigued by this one because yeah. he has not coached a mobile quarterback and Dak Prescott and and Justin Herbert like he's going to have in Jalen Hurts. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can get that passing game and everything else going. On Mondays and Thursdays, JP, you can catch the NFL Report. It is also a podcast, but we're available on Roku, Tubi, Pluto, Peacock, anywhere you get your free streaming apps. Me and JP here on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you